0: Good morning everyone, and this is my final, the sixth pre-Pesach shir, um, which we're going to be doing this year, which which, uh, in these very, very difficult circumstances um, is so important because there's so many questions that we really need to focus on in order to understand how to conduct ourselves Pesach this year. Um, I know that uh, Steve has sent me a bunch of questions, I'm going to get to them um, when Carly brings them to me, she said she's going to print them out. But first, um, what I'm going to do is talk about Badikat chametz So this evening, uh, immediately after um, uh, nightfall, I'm not sure exactly what time that is, but immediately after nightfall, we're going to do b'dikat chametz What is Badikat chametz I just want to tell you a little story that I heard from my late brother, Bensi. That uh, for many, many years, my grandparents from Holland used to come to us for Pesach. And when they uh, came to us, obviously they just relied on our uh, cleaning up for Pesach. They would bring a few bits and pieces from Holland, but they were guests in our house. But in the years just before they started coming, I think 1975, 1976, they were still making Pesach, getting a little old to do it. And my brother, Bensi, went one year and helped them make Pesach and uh, stayed with them for Pesach. Uh, He told me, what it looked like badikas chametz in my grandfather's house. My grandfather lit a candle and he held a feather and he made the bracha, albir chametz, and then he went from one room to another for about five or six minutes. And then he said, I'm sure that Oma, my grandmother, has done everything that she needed to do to make sure that the home is clear of chametz for Pesach. He said kol chamira and that was it. In other words, but I'm not saying that this is, has to be your minhag but my grandfather was a very devout and very religious man and he knew that all the effort went into making Pesach not on the night before Pesach but in all the weeks and days before Bediqas Khametz and that being the case uh, he refused to uh, just uh, limit um, my grandmother's work to something which he dismissed he wanted to acknowledge it and see B'dikas Chometz as an end of the process, not the beginning of the process so tonight, when you take your candle, thank you so much when you take your candle and you go around the house it's not because at that moment you're searching for Pesach, it's just the last few moments of making sure that all the work that you've already done to make sure that your home is free of Chometz uh, just to uh, go through the checklist, as it were, and ensure that, that, is ha- that uh, you've uh, dotted your I's and crossed your T's. That's really what B'dikas Chometz is about. So what we're going to do tonight, we'll light the candle. If some of you want to use a torch, you're welcome to use a torch. And you make the bracha. Rashi Kedoshanah b'mitzvah v'tzivon abir chometz. Carly, can we add the PDF of B'dikas Chometz to the, to the chat? Um, and if the, um, those of you who are listening to this uh, in the recording or watching the video, if you want to receive it on the video, we'll have a comment um, on the YouTube, which will include the Bedikas chametz instructions. Um, and if you are listening to the audio, we will also have it as a comment on the SoundCloud. So just make sure to click on that. and You'll have the PDF with all the instructions of how to do Bedikas chametz. Uh, you make your bracha. Go from room to room and make sure to identify any place where there may be chomets. You don't need to search um, in your shoes because I don't know about you, but certainly me, I never put chomets in my shoes. So I don't need to go through my shoe cupboard um, or or my um, closet to make sure, my clothes closet, to make sure there's no chomets. You do need to go through pockets, by the way of jackets that you use regularly, or pants that you use regularly, and they haven't been to the dry cleaners. But you do not need to check uh, through places where there is no homates. You need to go through the kitchen, which I am sure by now everybody has cleaned for Pesach, so that's not an issue. And you need to go through your kids' rooms, if you have kids at home, because they don't have quite the same sense of urgency about getting rid of chametz as um, some of the adults. Uh, and you need to go through places in your home where there may be Chomets and just to make sure that that Chomets is identified so that you can include it in the Chomets sale which uh, takes effect tomorrow morning uh, just before the zman. so uh, I do urge you to do B'dikras Chomets in a sensitive way to those people who have been cleaning for Pesach and at the same time be very Uh, Be very uh, um, careful to make sure that you've covered every one of uh, the areas that could contain chomets to make sure there's no chomets there. It shouldn't take longer than 20 minutes, half an hour, if you're doing it thoroughly. And it could take even shorter than that if you are uh, convinced that you've already made all the necessary chomets reduction um, exercises to ensure that there's no chomets in your home. Let's move on from there to the questions which Steve sent me earlier on, which uh, Carly has kindly printed out for me. He wants to know about davening on um, Yom Tov. So we're about to head, to tomorrow night is Pesach. Believe it or not, all this anticipation, tomorrow night is Pesach. We're going to have Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night Shabbos, three days and we're not going to be able to get any answers to, no doubt, very difficult questions regarding Pesach. And that being the case, we're going to try and answer as many of those questions uh, now, and I've already done so in some of the previous shurim. And Steve has sent me uh, um, a series of questions regarding the davening on uh, Yom Tov, because we're all going to be davening on our own. We don't have shul, we don't have minyonim, so what do we need to daven? So first question he asked asked me is, Hallel on Yom Tov and Holomoid. Do we say Hallel on Pesach? In fact, Hallel was invented for Pesach. So uh, we know that um, there's many references to Yetzias Mitzrayim in Hallel. And Hallel, the whole concept of thanking Hashem, um, which was exemplified with the song that was sung which we don't say in Hallel, by the way, by the Jewish nation after Kriyas Yamsuf, Oz, Yosher, Moshe, Ovene Yisroes, Hashira Hazois, Hallel is a method by which we thank Hashem for the incredible miracles that He has um, done for us so that we can be a Jewish nation. And unusually, on the first night of Pesach, and for us in Chutz it's for the second night of Pesach as well, we say Hallel. We include Hallel in the Haggadah. Some people say Hallel in Shul, we don't. Nusach Ashkenaz, most Nusach Ashkenaz do not say Hallel in Shul on Friday night as part of Mariv, but, but there is a huge number of people Chassidim uh, and Tzfardim who do say Hallel in Shul, we're not going to have Shul this year but who do say Hallel as part of Mariv on the first night of Pesach. We are certainly going to say Hallel every day of Pesach this year. And the Hallel that we say the first two days is the complete Hallel, both in the Haggadah and in the Shachris. From Cholamoyed onwards, we say half Hallel. I'm not going to go into the details now, but I mentioned it in the last ship Bin, bin Foyl a Yivcha al Tismach Remember that we take a little drop of wine from our cup of wine on, on the Seder night to reduce our joy at the, uh, at the uh, vanquishing our enemy And even though we have managed to be victorious against our enemy, there are human beings who suffered, so we reduce that joy. And that is one of the reasons that's given that for the second half of Pesach, it's a little bit more than half, but from Cholamoyed onwards we only say half Hallel, um, because we do not celebrate the downfall of our enemy, even though it's Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But every morning at Shachris, we say Hallel and uh, we're going to con- uh, continue to do so, even though we're not in Shul. On Yom Tov, Yom Tov Esrei for Shachris and Musuf. So the answer to that question is yes. So, starting tomorrow night, we're going to say the Yom Tov Shmona Esrei. I don't have the page number in front of me, but we are going to email that out to um, our email list uh, and we're going to send it out on the WhatsApp group. The exact pages in the Art Scroll Siddur as to uh, what we should be saying on Yom Tov, both in terms of the Mariv and in terms of Shachris Musaf, what the Shemunah Esras are that we should be saying. Obviously, with the little bits that you include in those prayers, they are the ones which reference Pesach, because the one in the Art Scroll Siddur will also reference Shavuos and Sukkus and Shmini Atzeres, but that's not the festival now, the festival now is Pesach, we say those Shemini When it comes to Friday night, and Yom Tov is now over, we're now going to say the Shachris, uh, sorry, the Mariv of Shabbos, but then we're going to include Yalev between Ratse and Vasechezeno. So it's actually, it's no longer Yom Tov, it's Shabbos Chol HaMoyed. And that, because it's Shabbos Chol Ha-Moyed, we're going to say the Shabbos Shemone because Cholamoid is like a, a, it's, it's sort of quasi weekday. It's the period in between the two Yomtofs at the beginning and the end of the festival. So you daven as you would normally daven on a non Yomtuf or non Cholamoid Shabbos. The only difference being is you include uh, you include uh, Yalav and of course at Shachris you include uh, you include Hallel. Actually on Shabbos, the Mus'af that you say is going to be the Mus'af of Yom Tov, not the Mus'af of Shabbos. So, whenever you have Shabbos Cholem instead of saying the normal Shabbos Mus'af and let's say adding Yalav Yavoi, which you might think would be the thing that you do, what you do is you say the Mus'af of Yom Tov and you add in the additional pieces of Shabbos. So that's what we're going to be doing this year. Um, As well, we're going to at home when we daven, we're going to take out the Siddur. We're going to go to from the normal Shachris of Shabbos when we get to Musaf. After Ashrei, we go to the uh, towards the back of the Siddur. And we're going to say the Musaf of Pesach, which can be found at the back of the Siddur. And we put in all the additional pieces in the parentheses and the brackets that we need to include because it's Shabbos. (laughs) Cholamoid for Shachris. Do we say regular shemona Estray but add Ya'Lavi So I think I've covered that. That on cholamayid, when we daven in, in the morning, and by the way, Mincha Amarev as well, that we're going to add in Yalavi Yovai um, to every shemona Esrei and every benching. Whenever we bench, we say Birkat Hamazon, we're going to add in Ya'ala because it's considered part of Pesach and therefore we add in Yalavi Note fill in Cholamoid. So this is a very interesting question. This is question number four on Steve's list. Um, I actually come from a background where I'm a yecky, as many of you know. Uh, the uh, the German Ashkenaz Minhag was to wear Tefillin on Cholamid. This is a massive debate as to whether or not Tefillin is appropriate on Cholamid. We know that we don't wear Tefillin on Shabbos or Yom Tov. So is Cholamid considered so much like a weekday that we do wear Tefillin? Or is it considered like a sort of in-between day, which is not quite Yom Tov, but closer to Yom Tov than it is to weekday, and therefore we don't wear tefillin. The vast majority of people um, uh, in, in the world today who are Shomer Torah mitzvahs and daven every day do not wear tfilin or Cholomoyed. When I first came here to Los Angeles, I davened in a shul, I won't say which one, and I used to put on tefillin or Cholomoyed. And uh, that somebody came up to me and said to me, if you want to wear tefillin, and this, by the way, is brought down in halacha. there's nobody else in the shul who wears tefillin. And therefore, perhaps you should go to the back of the shul because it's a little disconcerting. And that's what I did. In fact, I went, you know, it was a shul that was on one level. I, it was shachris in the morning. There were no women there. So I went into the women's side section of the shul and I davened there. Uh, since that time I've become the rabbi of a shul in Los Angeles. Of course nobody wears tefillin, because the vast majority of people do not wear tefillin. So I've stopped wearing tefillin in shul on Cholomoyed and um, most people I know do not wear tefillin on Cholomoyed. You've not done anything wrong. You've not been a mevat or a mitzvah. I would suggest that wearing tefillin on Cholomoyed is a minhag. And in a situation where you're going to be p'yresh minhag tzibur, that means separate yourself out from others by wearing tefillin, you should certainly not do so. Whatever your minhag is, that's what you should do. Uh, On the other hand, if it is your minhag to wear tefillin, you've done nothing wrong to wear tefillin. And if this year you're davening at home and ordinarily you do not wear tefillin in shul, but your family's minhag is to wear tefillin. It's obviously okay to wear tefillin at home because this year we're not with anybody else. Uh, that being said, whatever you do, this is one of those situations that whatever you do is completely correct. You don't have to worry about what you do and think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm doing the wrong thing. You've done the right thing and it's absolutely fine. Question number five. Do we read the Parsha on Yom Tov and Monday of Hamoed? Um, so the, the question, I'm going to get to the Monday in a minute. Let's let's deal with the Yom Tov part first. Um, this Shiloh was asked this week to two or three of the rabbis who are Paskaning major shilas across the world for this particular moment in our human history of the coronavirus. And the answer to the question is as follows. We do read the parasha on Shabbos. Why? Because we don't want to lose Um, any part of the cycle of reading through the parashius, don't forget that on Simchas Torah, we celebrate the completing of the Torah. What happens if you didn't complete the Torah? Though it doesn't matter, usually. Come Simchas Torah, you can still celebrate, have a vodka, have a whiskey, it's totally fine. Why? Because the shul read through the whole Torah. Right? Everybody who came to shul heard the parasha being read by the balkorah what happens if your shul for some reason was closed for a shabbos and didn't read not a problem chal yisrael read from the torah every shabbos so even if your shul didn't read it that shabbos there was a shul in your neighborhood in your city that read it the vast majority of shuls continue to read the torah every single shabbos he comes to simcha's torah somebody read through the whole torah therefore we can celebrate the completion of the cycle what about this year No shuls are open. doesn't matter where you go in the world, there's literally no shuls in the world that are open. So there are a few, it's a total minority, people, uh, I sent out the Shilat of uh, Rav Sternbuch and his answer a few weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, of people on their balconies in Borah Park, and there's a balkorah on one of the balconies who's reading from the Torah, and other people can hear it from the other balconies on the block, okay, it's true, and uh, the shaila of, of, uh, of Rabbi Meisel to Rabbi Sternbuch was, can we call people up? And they say the bracha from their balcony. And Rabbi Sternbuch said, yes. I heard just now from um, Supreme Court Judge David Mintz, who once visited our shul. He's a Supreme Court Judge in Eretz Yisrael, that he lives in a moshav or um, some kind of, of village community uh, um, in Shamron or Yudah or Shomron and there's not that many people there, they're all Jewish and they're all religious and they have a balkurah on the street and they all come into their front garden and he has a Sefer Torah and he has a very loud voice. He says, I live a hundred meters away from his house but he has such a loud voice that I can hear him very, very clearly. He actually, with a paskin from the Gemara, he gets called up at the beginning of laning. Whoever is with him calls him up. He lanes through the whole parsha. And then he says the brach at the end, that psak in the Gomorrah, Gomorrah and Megillah. That's how they originally used to do it before they divided up in, in, uh, the parshias into seven sections so that we can call up a lot of people from the community. But here you can't call people up because they're in different locations. So one person gets called up to the Torah. They re- he reads through the whole parsha, and then he says the brach at the end. But that's Shabbos and that is um, a minority of communities in the world, so how are we going to celebrate Simchas Torah? So the answer is we're going to celebrate Simchas Torah because you and me and all the other individuals in the world who hold this cycle to be very dear to our our Jewish identity are reading the Parsha, whether you read it with a trop or you don't read it with a trop you're reading through the Parsha every week and so when it comes eventually, hopefully within a few weeks definitely a matter of months we'll be back in shul and we'll continue the cycle um, from wherever it is at that particular point in the calendar. And we'll rely on the fact that most people in the community will have read the parsha every single week. I read it every week at home from a chumish with a trop. And so have many other people I've spoken to are doing exactly the same thing. So when it gets to Simchas Torah, we have completed the cycle of all the parashas in the Torah. Okay, that's Shabbos and cycle. What about Yom Tuf? So, we have this concept on Yom Tov that we lane from a Torah. That's not part of the cycle, though. That is, those are sections of the Torah, generally speaking, which pertain, which are relevant to the Yom Tov. Do we have to read those on Yom Tov? That's the Shaila. So, the answer is as part of the cycle of getting through from Bereshis to Bezois Habracha. You do not need to read those sections of the Torah that we associate with the first day of Yom Tov and the second day of Yom Tov, or Shabbos Hamoed because they are not part of the cycle. We just read Tzav, now we are in, in the period of time leading up to Shmini. So, are we going to be laying Shmini this Shabbos? No, we are not. If we would be in Shul, we would lay the parsha that uh, the part of the Torah that we read, for Shabbos Hamoed. And only the Shabbos after Pesach we would read Shemini. So do we need to read the parshas of Yom Tov? So the answer I'm seeing from many rabbis who've been approached about this is that there is no requirement to read the Torah portion that's associated with the days of Yom Tov on the days of Yom Tov because you're not in shul, that is a choiv on the tzibur, it's not part of the Torah reading cycle that takes us through from Bereshis all the way to v'zois habracha that we're going to read on Simchas Torah. However, because we want to maintain and sustain our close association with the regular tefillah, if you have a machzer and it includes, of course it includes, the sections of the Torah and the Haftorah that one would normally read, on the days of Yom Tov, you should certainly read them uh, uh, on Yom Tov, even though it's not part of the cycle. So it's not as important an obligation as reading from the Parsha, especially now if you're not in shul, so that you maintain the cycle and each section of that cycle as the months progress. Nevertheless, in order to keep the momentum going of davening at home and creating that atmosphere of davening that's not just getting through and making sure you said your bits and pieces but actually um, keeping the atmosphere of davening as it would have been in shul you should read through the section of the torah that is relevant to the parsha now the next part of the question that's relevant to the yomtev the next part of the question that steve asked was what about Monday? Well, actually, Monday is not the relevant point. So, the Gemara says, and I'll get to that in a minute, the Gemara says that there's a Takana of Ezra. Who was Ezra? Ezra is the person who brought back the exiles from Bovel and re-established the base Hamikdash at the beginning of the Second Temple period. And he realized that there was a tremendous um, lack of knowledge with regards to Torah, and he established that um, even though Moshe Rabbeinu had already said that no, uh, there should never be a three-day period when people don't read from the Torah, and there was this concept of Monday and Thursday, he established it as something that needs to be done with a um, congregation, and therefore we always read a small part of the Torah portion on Mondays and Thursdays, that is associated with the parsha of the week. So, for example, now it's parsha Shmini, and um, yesterday was Monday, um, and we read from the uh, we read we would have read from the Torah in the morning. We would have read parsha Shmini Thursday. Well, this week Thursday is Yom Tov, but if it would be an ordinary week on Thursday, we would read a small section of the parsha of the Torah. The difference is that mm-hmm. Cholamayit has its own, own uh, Torah portion that is associated with the Shachris in the morning, and that is every day of Cholamayid. So this year Cholamayid is Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. And on the Monday of Cholamayid we wouldn't read Shemini, we would read the, the portion of the Torah that's been designated for Cholamayid. If you look at the back of your siddur and um, we will be sending it out, Kali, make a note, we'll send out the page number in the art scroll Siddur where you can find that section of the Torah that is read in association with Chalamoid. That's the part that we would read. The question is, do we need to read it at Shacharis in the morning of Chalamoid? I would say that it's not important, but if you do it, you're doing a good thing. That means it's not essential. It's not like Halel. It's not like Shemana Esrei. It's not like Musaf. Nevertheless, if you want to, as I said, maintain that atmosphere that one would have had, had one davened in shul, and particularly this year, where we're spending so many weeks away from our community, we're not davening with a minion. We should do everything that we can to maintain and sustain the atmosphere of the Beis HaKnesses in our homes without a minion. And one of the ways that we can do that is to read the section of the Torah that is associated with the day that we are on at that time, so on Cholamid, on Sunday we should read the portion to do with Cholamid. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, we should do that. Um, and Wednesday, of course, is Yom Tov, and I've answered that question already. Wednesday and Thursday, and we get to Friday. No more laning until Shabbos when we're going to lane Parsha Shmini. Um, number six, do we skip Birkas Kayanim? So of course, Steve has a personal interest here because he's a Kayan and um, there's no Birkas kohenim because there's no congregation to do Birkas kohenim, so we don't say Birkas kohenim unless you have a minion, and we're not going to have a minion this year so we're not going to do Birkas kohenim, and we're going to wait till we get back to Shul hopefully we'll be back by Shavuos so for us Ashkenazim in Chutzla Oretz we only do Birkas kohenim on Yom Tov and on Shavuos, hopefully we'll be back in Shul and we'll do Birkas Koyanim and that will be fine. Until then, Birkas Koyanim being a ritual that's only associated with a gathering of Jewish people that's a Minyan or more, we're not going to do Birkas Koyanim. Um, the next question that was asked by Steve, it's not on this list, I already answered him by WhatsApp, is Yizkor? So Yizkar is a very interesting tefillah, it's only um, a Minhag of Ashkenazim to memorialize, to remember people who have passed away um, in your family and we do it usually on the last day of Yom Tov. We do it actually four times a year. We do it Pesach, Shvurs, Sukkos and Yom Kippur. We don't do it Sukkos, we do it Shmini Atzeres and Yom Kippur. So that being the case, this year Pesach, we won't have Yizkor because we're not in Shul and it's something that's done towards the end of um, Shachris, just before Musaf, uh, on, on Yom Tov, and this year it would have been done on, th- on the Thursday, the last day of Pesach. We're not going to be in Shul. So in our particular community, we've decided, and uh, I, I believe that there are other communities who are doing something similar, although I, I didn't see anyone doing it before we announced it. Nevertheless, I'm happy that other people have followed in our direction. And that is, we're going to be doing Yizkar on Zoom on the last day of Cholomoed, which is on Tuesday. So Tuesday, it's 11 o'clock. If you have somebody that you wish to memorialize in a Yizkar prayer, we're going to be doing the Yizkar service at 11 a.m. via Zoom. Together with Nati, I will be speaking and uh, Nati will be uh, uh, saying the prayers and we'll have an opportunity as a community, even though we are in different locations, to join together in the Yizka prayer. There's absolutely no problem doing Yizkar on Chol If there's no problem doing it on Yom Tov, there's certainly no problem doing it on Chol And this year, as we cannot do it as a congregation in Shul, I've uh, pushed it back, or pushed it forward, I should say, to the last day of Chol so that we can participate in this very important part of our regular Yom Tov, I was going to say celebration, but the way that we conduct ourselves on Yom Tov, one of the things that we do is remember those people who have passed away. Finally, this is a question from Morris, um, in Jerusalem, corkscrew. Are we allowed to use a corkscrew on Pesach um, that we use throughout the year? Our minhag has always been not to use a corkscrew on Pesach that we use throughout the year, And the reason for that is because even though wine, all kosher wine, is made in strictly non-chomets environments, so that it can be considered kosher for Pesach, so in essence, the corkscrew only comes into contact with wine that is kosher for Pesach, nevertheless, we have a blanket rule that anything that is used on a table where there's challah and chomets, we shouldn't use on Pesach because even a Mashehu, the smallest amount, um, a minute amount of chametz, if it comes into uh, contact with food that we eat on Pesach, we're doing something wrong. It says, We're not. we shouldn't be able to see chametz. we shouldn't be able to find chametz. And there could be a small speck of Chometz, however carefully you've cleaned the corkscrew that is on the corkscrew uh, that you wish to open wine with, that you're going to be drinking on Pesach so this year i think that things are quite different and i think that if you've got a way of finding a new corkscrew that's never been used before even if it's been in a home's drawer that would be very good if you have literally no other corkscrew you have nothing else to use and that's the wine that you want to have for the seder so i've got i've got two pieces of advice the first thing is Try and open up your wine before Pesach, and then recork it. So that you can just open it on Pesach, and you can open the wine with a non-Pesach corkscrew before Pesach. That's not an issue, because anything that's done before Pesach is okay. If uh, you're concerned about the quality of your wine, if you open it and a few days later it's not going to be of the same quality, I'm not going to tell you that using a non for Pesach corkscrew on Pesach is uh, the gravest chometz um, crime in uh, in the world in history. However, um, if you do do so, at the very least, cover any part of the corkscrew that you can cover with plastic wrap or something else, so that any part of the uh, corkscrew that you're actually using with your hand, um, you're not going to come into direct contact with the implement itself. That would be my suggestion for you. That's what I would uh, um, say that you should do if you have no other choice but to use a non-Pesach corkscrew this Pesach. We're going to come back to questions in a minute. Um, I just want to go through some other aspects of the Haggadah which we started talking about on Sunday. And uh, I know that a lot of people found Sunday's talk about the Haggadah very helpful. And I think that we should just get through some basic aspects of what needs to be done at the Seder night on Pesach, so that we're familiar with it, because tomorrow night we're going to be on our own, we're not going to be able to rely on whoever our annual expert is, and we all have that person, right? Somebody who runs the Seder for us, and gives us all the instructions, and we're just on autopilot, we do whatever that person says. This year we're all on our own, and we may never have done it before on our own, and therefore I just want to give you some basic knowledge about conducting yourself at the Seder. I already started covering ground in the previous share that we gave on Sunday, which I called Seder 101. Let's call this Seder 101 part 2. I'm on page 36 in my Hagoda. I don't know which Hagoda you have, but it is, uh, this is the one I'm using, uh, and it's just a basic Haggadah. Uh, I think, as I said, that if you are with more than one person at the Seder, you should try and use the same Haggadah, it's easier, because then you can just give a page number, it just makes it simpler for everybody, but notwithstanding that, if you don't have the same Haggadah, you're not doing anything wrong if you use different Haggadahs. So that's the Song of Dayenu. It's a beautiful song, Dayenu, and it's a very interesting concept. The whole Song of Dayenu is there, to teach us and to tell us how important it is to appreciate every stage of the way, to say thank you. Dainu is another way of saying thank you. If if you walk into the house and somebody gives you a cookie and a cup of tea, say thank you. You may be hungry for more, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't appreciate the cookie and the cup of tea. Then they give you, they sit you down at the dinner table and they give you the hors d'oeuvre, the first course. You say thank you, dainu. Listen, I came in here, I didn't have anything to eat and I was hungry. Now I've eaten something. They take away the plate, they give you the second course. They're giving you some soup. Oh, I'm having some soup, it's so delicious. Dayenu, listen, if all I came for was to have the cookie and the cup of tea and the hors d'oeuvre and the soup, that would have been enough. I'm happy with whatever I have. Then they give you the main course. Amazing. I've never seen such a range of food in my life. Look at all this food you've cooked. Dayenu, I don't need anything more. Gomorrah says, doesn't matter how much you've eaten at the meal, you've still always got room for dessert, right? So even though you already said Dayenu, suddenly the dessert buffet opens and you're ready to have fruit and ice cream and, uh, and cake and whatever it is. Dayenu! That's Pesach. Pesach is a series of Dayenus. At every stage of the way, we're saying thank you to Hashem, for all the things he's done until now. And even if you would have done nothing else, we just appreciate the fact that you took care of us at every stage of the way. You did whatever it is that we needed until that stage. And we never anticipated the next stage. We never expected it. For somebody who says thank you, whatever you do is enough. And if you do more, it's another reason for appreciation. The next part, I I mentioned last time that all the rabbis were in Bnei Brak, except for one of them. Who was it? Rabban Gamliel. But Rabban Gamliel doesn't get missed out. He's mentioned in the Haggadah. He is the one who established the rule that there's three things that you need to focus on on at the Seder to make sure that you've done them and said and spoken about them. And they are Pesach, Matzah and Morar. Why are they so important? Because these are the three symbols of the liberation of the Jewish people from Egypt. Their redemption at the hand of God. Pesach was the lamb that they brought into their homes and and that they did shechitah. They ate it on Pesach night as they all huddled in their homes, not quite knowing what to expect. It was an anticipation of that liberation. They came together as families, as we're going to do this year. We're huddling in our homes, not quite sure what the future holds. But there we will all be together, but alone as each of the Jewish families was in Egypt. We're going to be eating Not carbon Pesach, but we're going to be eating um, our meals together. That is symbolized by the carbon Pesach. Then you have Matzah. What's the Matzah? Matzah is a symbol of both slavery and of liberation. It is the bread of poverty and it is the bread of redemption. So Matzah has this dual role, which we've already discussed in previous Shi'urim. That's such an important thing to remember. Sometimes Pesha Osar Hu Pesha Hitir The very same thing that you recognize as being something negative can actually become a great force for the positive. That is the message of the Matzah. And then we have Morar. Even in the midst of our great joy, we should always remember that that great joy can only be appreciated because we had bitterness. I mentioned it in an article I wrote this week, and uh, I, I think I've sent it out, it, uh, it's about the, um, the fact that there are some people who are still refusing to accept the rules and regulations regarding social distancing. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but I will say this, I once heard from Shlomo Karbach, a beautiful idea. Shlomo Karbach said that there's a strange anomaly. The beginning of the Seder, even before we've eaten any matzah, we break the matzah in half and we put a piece of matzah away. When do we come back to it? Right at the end of the meal. To complete the meal, we take that broken piece of matzah and we eat it. It's called afikoman. He says, why a broken piece of matzah? What's wrong with a whole matzah? Why are we breaking matzah? Matzah is a, is a symbol, such an important symbol of Pesach. Why would we break it into two pieces? and his answer was unless you've appreciated uh, unless you've experienced something negative you can never truly appreciate the positive unless you've been broken you can never be whole unless you've been shattered you can never be put back together and the way we celebrate the completion of our redemption by eating the afikoman is by taking that very broken piece of matzah the very symbol of our brokenness and eating it so that we can um, celebrate and commemorate the completion and the wholeness of our situation as the Jewish nation, the chosen people of God. So, so too with Morah. The reason why we have Morah at the Seder is because what would the point be of celebrating the liberation and redemption of the Jews from Egypt if we didn't understand that there was a point when Avodim HaYinu Lafara B'mitzrayim The physical representation of Avodim HaYinu L'Farah B'mitzrayim is the Mara that we eat on Pesach, says Rabban Gamliel. These three things, Pesach, Matzah and Mara are essential components of the Seder, something that we all have to participate in if we are to do this properly. Now, we then get to the second cup of wine and in order to introduce it, we begin Hallel. So we're back to talking about Hallel. The second cup of wine is the one that we drink. We already made Kiddush at the beginning. Of the Seder, so to commemorate the launch of the Pesach meal that we're about to have, we begin with Hallel, just saying two parts, uh, two paragraphs of Hallel, and then we, then we make the bracha of Asher Gaolenu, which is a wonderful bracha, an expression of our appreciation to God for having redeemed us from Egypt and then we make the brocha beri gofen on a full cup of wine which we've had all the way through the Seder, we already poured it out just before avodim ha or before manishtana, at that point in the Seder and um, we make the brocha beri gofen, you lean to the left, you drink the wine and now we're going to begin the part where we're going to have the, the matzah. So first we're going to have rochzah. remember the Seder leader already washed his hands without a brocha at the beginning of the Seder. Now we're all going to wash our hands and we're going to go and make the bracha of Al-Nutiles Yodayim. Then we're going to have Moitzi Matza. What's Moitzi Matzah? So Moitzi Matzah is, we're going to make the bracha on the matzah. Well, first of all, we have three matzahs in front of us. Whoever the Seder leader is, has three matzahs. We have the Kohen, the levi and the Yisrael. Remember the levi was broken into two pieces. One which was put away, the larger one which was put away for Afikoman. But we still have two and a half pieces of matzah of the three, so you take them up and you hold them together and you say Baruch Ata Hashem Lekeinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min HaOretz. Then you put the the third matzah, the bottom matzah, you put down, and now you make the bracha on a whole matzah and a half a matzah. The bracha you make is Asher Kidoshanu BeMitzvaysovetivanu Al Achilat Matzah. You have to eat a good portion of matzah. I think that we sent out in a previous year, the amount of matzah that you need to eat, you need to eat a full kazais. I'm not going to give weights and measures, everybody will eat to the maximum of their capability. But don't just eat a small corner of matzah, eat as much matzah as you can without um, causing yourself any kind of gastrointestinal problems. As uh, one of my friends used to say, matzah is Pharaoh's revenge. So have to be careful, don't cause yourself any harm by eating too much matzah. However, eat as much matzah as you can. Forget, don't forget that matzah is such an important part of the Seder. Now, when we're finished eating matzah, which by the way, we don't dip into salt on Seder night, we don't want to contaminate the taste with any, anything else, even though salt is such an important component of our uh, uh, every time that we eat bread, on say, the night we don't dip matzah into the salt, then we're going to take the mara. What is mara? So grated horseradish, I mentioned that uh, generally speaking we have romaine lettuce, uh, even though it's not so bitter we just add a bit of the horseradish to it to make give it some bitter flavor. If you've not managed to get either of those two things you can use chicory, um, uh, which is endives, um, but I think I've as far as I know it has been widely available, there's been Romaine lettuce widely available in the stores. You make the bracha, al achilas mora. And although for the wine and for the matzah you lean to the left, because it's part of that redemption process to eat those things, when it comes to the mora, you don't lean to the left, you don't lean back, you don't make yourself comfortable, because the mora is not a symbol of redemption, it's a symbol of slavery. And finally, before we eat the meal, we have something called koireich. What's koirech? It's something that Hillel, Hillel Hazokain, was one of the great rabbis of the late Second Temple period. He said, you know what? Don't eat these things separately. Put them all together. Because the Posuk says, a That you have to eat the carbon Pesach together with and Amoror. So make a Amoror sandwich. What we used to call at home the Biblical shawarma. You take the um, matzah and the Mora, we don't have carbon Pesach anymore, but you put them all together in a sandwich, and you say the little paragraph that is included in your Haggadah, Zeicher leMikdash Kehilal, let's do something to commemorate the version of eating carbon Pesach that was uh, instituted by Hillel, Hillel Hazokein, and that's what you do, and you of course lean, even though it includes Mora, because it has uh, Matzah in it, and in the time of the temple it had Korban Pesach in it, you lean, you eat it whilst you're leaning. Then you have the uh, meal, Shulchan Oirech, and I'm, no doubt, I don't need to give you your menus, I have no doubt you're going to have a wonderful meal. One thing I want to mention before we get to the meal, when you have the morrow, you dip the morrow into the charoses. The charoses is meant to take the edge off the bitterness of the morrow. Some people have the custom to dip it in, And then to shake it off. Other people have the custom to dip it in and to leave it on. It's not important. Whatever your custom is, just remember that we want to sweeten the blow of commemorating the bitterness of our slavery in Egypt. Have a wonderful meal. Take as long as you want over the meal. You can drink wine during the meal. Enjoy your conversation. But at the end of the meal, once you finish the dessert, and you're ready to say Dayenu, don't say Dayenu, because you have to eat the Afikomen. And that's called Tsofon. The last taste, the last flavor that you should have in your mouth when you are uh, when you are um, at the seder is carbon pesach, but we don't have carbon pesach, so we have this representation of carbon pesach. And the next be- best thing, which is the matzah, have the matzah and remember that you are eating it because you are commemorating the carbon pesach. And then we're going to bench. We bench HaMalois. If you have a Mezuman, you say, Rabbi of and then you go through the whole of Benching, you include Yalev Yavai, and you get to the end of Benching, ah, now you're going to have your third cup of wine. So we've already had two, we had Kiddush, we had one just before the meal, and now we're going to have another one at the end of Benching. You should pour the cup of wine before Benching, hold it throughout Benching, so that you have this Kois Shal Brocha, which is associated with Benching, the um, blessing cup that is associated with Brikat Hamazon, and you make the Bracha Prihagofen Pri and you're going to um, drink the wine, leaning to the left. Then you stand up before you continue Hallel, and you fill up the cup of wine that we call Elijah's cup, Kois Shel Eliyahu. You fill it up, and what you do is you um, you make sure that you've filled it up to the top. And then you open the front door and you welcome Elijah, Eliyahu Novi to your home. Eliyahu Novi as he's being welcomed into your home, we say this strange paragraph, Pour your wrath out upon the nations who do not acknowledge you. This is a moment when we dismiss and um, disparage those who refuse to accept the sovereignty of God. And to continue... Um, we're now in Hallel and we're going to say the whole of Hallel right through to the end And we're actually going to include pieces that we don't include normally in Hallel But we do say in Shabbos Davening One of them being something which is known actually as Hallel HaGadol ki ki Which is uh, also a, a chapter in Tehillim Then we're going to say Nishmas which we say before Yishtabach at the end of P'suke de Zimra on Shabbos And then we're going to sing Shaykh Ad Everybody has the opportunity to become Nati Bar'am, to become their own chazan and sing as loud as they want. Do it with a tune, the full tune, enjoy yourself. And then you're going to say Yishtabach and you're going to then finalize the Hallel by saying the last paragraph of Hallel which concludes with a bracha, Melech Mahula You've had a lovely Hallel, you sang all the songs, you sang to your heart's content, now it's time for the fourth cup of wine, and you're gonna say pri and drink it through. And and now that you finished drinking, you finished eating already earlier you benched, but now you finished drinking, you're gonna make a brocha a on the on the drinking. So you have to go and make a hagofen, which can be found in your hagoda and then you're going to say, if you if you have been drinking something else besides for wine after you finish the meal, you're going to say, um, uh, you're going to say which is also included in your Haggadah. Now you um, you have Nirtza. What is Nirzah? Nirtzah is all the songs that have been added on um, over the years as part of the ritual of completing the Seder. I'm not going to go through all of them. They're all beautiful. Um, the, if you want to hear a shir on Khadgadya, I sent one out last week and I'm happy to uh, send that out again uh, if Carly wants to post it here on the chat, um, uh, if she can find it now on her computer, we can do that. I, I gave, I think it was two shiur in part one and part two, which we sent out last week, but I'm very happy for you to listen to the shir, about the very strange ditty that we sing at the end of the Seder Chad gadya. The end of Chad gadya. it's not yet Dayenu, you should sing Lashona Haba Birushalayim. Very, very important that you should uh, remember that while we are here, wherever we are, this year, next year, we all hope to be in Jerusalem with the temple rebuilt and we're going to bring the carbon Pesach. Ligula. One last thing, on the second night of the Seder, we're going to begin counting the Omer. So before you begin Neretzal, You stand up, and you make the bracha. Because the second night of Pesach, we begin the countdown to Shavuos. And it's very, very important that we begin counting and try not to forget any night of uh, Pesach and throughout Shavuos to say the Svirah all the way through until 49, and the 50th will be Shavuos. I'll now open up the floor to any questions. If you have any questions, here's your moment. We have eight minutes left. And then I believe that Natty is going to be giving his share uh, on Zoom as well. So please, does anyone have any questions? Obviously not. So I'm going to take this opportunity. If uh, first of all, if you do have any questions, you're welcome to send them to me by email or by WhatsApp, and I'll do my best to answer any uh, individual questions that you may have. If you don't have any questions, I just want to wish you to have a wonderful Yom Tov. Even in these difficult circumstances, we're having a tough time, isolated from each other, stuck at home. Nevertheless, remember that uh, Pesach is a celebration of redemption and it's certainly not a depressing holiday the whole of nissan is the month of gaula the month of redemption and we will all celebrate that redemption and will truly appreciate it once this whole thing is over wishing you all a very